The 42's Rugby Weekly Extra podcast. It's an absolute mess for them now. Everything in the world of rugby covered in one place. At the moment, there's not one part of the game that's, that's functional. This tour just puts them up there as a world-class player. Expert analysis from Bernard Jackman, Owen Toulon and Murray Kinsella. Maybe this is the end of this cycle of this group who, who have been underperforming for a long time. Reaction from the weekend's games. I don't see how any captain wouldn't be really pissed off in that circumstance. Big name interviews. Check was mad. He got something out of that team that I don't think any other coach could. Plus, exclusive access to Murray's weekend newsletter. Get all of this and more by becoming a member. Sign up today at members.the42.ie I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could have me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. <laughs> Robbie Robbie Weekly. Little reverse pass. Hello and welcome to the 42 Rugby Weekly. Kieran Kennedy here, and I'm joined on the line by the 42's very own Murray Kinsler. Murray, how's the form? Yeah, good. Still kind of buzzing from last night in Cork. It was a brilliant occasion, a brilliant performance from Munster. And yeah, lots to enjoy about it. How are you? Yeah, yeah, good, good. I was one of many, many sports journalists at a pavement in Vicar Street last night. It seemed to be like a, a sports <laughs> journalist convention almost. Um, well, did you get free tickets or something? There was loads of you there. I wish, I wish. No, they just seem to be, they just seem to be very big with uh, Irish sports journalists for some reason. But um, no, behaved myself straight home after, up early, caught up on the Munster game fully, so ready to go. Um, we'll also look ahead to Ireland, Fiji in a little bit, but we will start with Munster and Cork last night. And just first of all, Murray, before we go into the game, um, just tell us a bit about the atmosphere and the occasion because it was something very different and just watching on TV, it looked looked like a really special and memorable occasion. It really was. I'm ashamed to admit it was my first time in Porky Cueve, which probably tells a lot about my insular focus on, on rugby, but it really lived up to the billing. Before the game, there was kind of like a nervous edge to it and people weren't quite sure... Uh, when they would kind of get into their flow of, of supporting and you're waiting for it to kick off. Munster did their traditional half lap and it picked up from there. And then when they ran out to the Cranberry Zombie, it just took off to a, to another level. That song is still ringing in my head anyway this morning. Um, they played it a few times and it was absolutely brilliant. It's the new anthem, I think, for Munster. And there was loads of moments like that where it just rose and rose and rose. The fields of Atten Roy, they, they tried to get it going in the first half. It didn't quite kick in. But after Mike Haley's try early in the second half and and that kind of, I suppose, ending the contest really in a, in a large way, it kicked into full voice and it was an unbelievable moment. And, and then the final whistle again, just before the final whistle, the, the Munster fans start up with the fields of Roy again. Zombies playing straight after the, the final whistle as they do their, their lap of honour. And Graham Rountree hugs every single one of the players. It was amazing. And it's amazing that a crowd of 41,400 people you know, a new record for a rugby match in Munster were there on a really horrible old night. Um, but that didn't spoil the the party atmosphere. There was there was lulls in it throughout. I, I did notice a few times and, and you're kind of holding it to a high standard against those, you know, highly memorable Toman Park classic nights. Probably never got there because the South Africans were so poor and it wasn't really a contest for large parts of it. Um, it, you know, it's different in, in, in Porky Cueve because the pitch is obviously smaller than the, the GA regular pitch. So you're a little bit further back. There's only one tiny big screen. It's not even really a big screen. So that didn't help with kind of replays and, and fans being aware of exactly what was going on. So there's little pits like that that you could 
nitpick, but so many amazing big moments. Simon Zebo, the local Black Rock boy, scoring into the Black Rock end, and the roar of Zebo, Zebo, Zebo. There was was outstanding as well, and I I just thought it was a brilliant start for life at the par- pork for for Munster. I I can't see how this isn't the start of a a strong relationship between the the pair of them here. You can imagine a Champions Cup game. Maybe even a big Leinster or or any interprovincial match there as well. Like it's a brilliant option for them to have now. They had a big gala dinner the night before, and they they sold that out. They made a lot of money from from selling corporate tables there, and and by all accounts that was a big success. So Cork really embraced it. Met people from all over the province as well. That was brilliant to see. You know, it was a bit more accessible for for some people as as well as just the the people in Cork. So all in all, as an occasion, just thought it was outstanding. Yeah, yeah, and they're just. There's something about Munster when they do those kind of one-off occasions on the road. Like even we saw it in the Aviva last year, they just they just travel so well and are just they're so good at making turning a game into into an occasion. And just we've spoken about it before. Obviously, the connection they have with their fans when when that gets going, it's just it's quite quite amazing to watch. But um, yeah, so a, tw- a 28-14 win for Munster. Um, lots to like about the performance um, anybody in particular stand out to you Murray or anything in particular about the performance that you thought was encouraging well collectively it's the best performance of the the round three era so far there was you know he flagged it after the match the most pleasing thing for him is the balance and there was lots of different good elements the attack even with the, the rain looked slicker it looked more cohesive it looked like players were a bit more comfortable running lines off each other I mean from very early in the game that Wonderful bit of skill from from Antoine Frisch, which starts with a nice pass from Ben Healy, getting him on that outside arc. And then we saw the the skill that we've all been excited with in his game, getting outside Henko van Vijk, uh, fires up that left-hand fend, and then a beautiful one-handed offload out of his right as as um, the, the left wing's ass bites in. And, and away go Mike Haley, and Shane Daly took his chance really well. Obviously, Healy's lovely delayed bridge pass out to Simon Zebo for that score and, and there were lots of other little flourishes you think of Jack O'Donoghue if he'd given a pass outside or inside at one stage late in the first half that's going to be a brilliant brilliant monster try so Mike Prendergast would have been really happy with that Roundtree and Andy Kiriakou would have been absolutely thrilled with a lot of the forwards work as well they had real tough challenges as expected at times it was a big powerful more experienced South African pack and we saw them have dominant scrum moments but the way Munster manufactured their mall try and, and what a joy to see two Irish packs marching two South African packs back over their own try line for mall tries in the space of a week and then stopping them very shortly after on their own try line. A big, big moment in the game just before the break. Munster had scrum penalties. I thought Salano and, and the front row battled back into that really well and what are we, 76 minutes in and, and there's a big scrum penalty in the Munster 22 it was one of the biggest cheers of the night. Uh, Dennis Leamy, I think, would be happy with Loads of their defensive work. They gave up two tries, obviously, but they did just look more content and happy with what what they're trying to do. So, yeah, collectively, it was a, a really good night. And loads of guys stood up. And these games often, you mentioned kind of, I, I suppose these are kind of like part of the Munster story and, and the, the history is these big one-off games. I think back to 2010 against Australia, and Ian Nagel was man of the match. They kind of have those unexpected standouts Paddy Patterson was was the one last night although he's been playing good rugby he started the season really well and, and he went to another level last night with his sniping his energy uh, that brilliant snipe into the short side kick ahead and, and how he regathered the ball on the ground just before Ben Healy rolls the, the grubber kick in behind for, for Haley. the halfbacks were outstanding it was really clear they were composed calm 
and just steered their, their team really well. And, and up front, I thought Edwin Idogbo at 19 just continues to really impress. That's two big South African packs where he's been one of the dominant figures. The Bulls game and this game last night, he's just on another level athletically, but is clearly working really hard around all the technical and set-piece stuff. Um, yeah, across the board, there was really exciting bits. Frisch, is, he's, he's going to be a Rolls-Royce for them. He's a great signing. He was really sought after in Ireland, in England, in France, and, and you can see exactly why. He's got something special about him. So, yeah, really, just a really convincing night for Munster. I, I know the South Africans were really poor. We've got to state that again, but Munster made them look poor in, in, in so many ways. Yeah, watching it back, the thing that kind of stood out to me was just how, like, we've obviously been, the attack has been a bit of a concern across the, the early parts of the URC season, but to see to see it begin to come together and to see some of the, the handling and some of the shape come together in those difficult conditions that you mentioned, like, it's not like it was a, a nice, clean night with crisp, fast ball, you know, they had to they had to work hard for the, for it, for the attack to come together, but they, they managed to do that. But obviously, this is a one-off game, and... In the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really count for anything unless Munster build on it from here. Um, they have a couple of weeks off before they're back into URC action. And maybe another encouraging aspect of it was the fact that they delivered a performance like that without the guys who are in Ireland camp at the minute. But yeah, it just felt like a really feel-good night and something that just can maybe light a bit of a fuse for Munster this season. Mm, yeah, that's a, that's a great point. That's a key part of it. Like, It was a unique fixture in the middle of this block where it could have been just downtime and and refocusing and almost the pressure intensifying when they get back training and they're in the same place they're in a very different place now I'd say they're in a very hungover place right now because they had a big night in Cork by by all accounts and Graham Rowntree promised that straight away he came in with a can of Guinness in his hands which is slightly controversial he said that's a, an English thing I think drinking out of the can but um, yeah he, he said he was going out drinking with the players and I'm sure they had a, a great night and the, the, the sense of just pressure off shoulders was really palpable as I said you saw him go around hugging every single player they actually came to him and you can see the the grow that's there like he really has the players on side and, and they want him to be a success and it's hurt all of them early on this season in a, in, a, in a way the pressure was off last night because obviously it's not a competitive game but at the same time I think there was pressure with with this and making sure that a big occasion didn't go to waste that it was one of the memorable nights um, and Munster delivered that in spades the, you're right it's the key Connacht in a couple of weeks time back in the URC back at Thoman Park it has, absolutely has to be better there and, and the momentum they've gained from this absolutely has to to roll into that because the stark reality is that they're in trouble you look at the URC table and, and it's five defeats from seven they've got to lose in the Champions Cup next month as well that's going to be an unbelievably difficult test but yeah we were waiting for the kickstart moment and it and it feels like this might be it certainly it doesn't solve all their problems it doesn't make them a, a great team overnight but it leaves them in a much better spot and I think Munster fans got a better illustration of of where Roundtree wants this team to go like it did look very different to the strong Munster performances under Johan van Gran obviously the kicking approach is very different from early in the game you see them going along down the pitch and chasing hard, less contestable stuff. And as you rightly point out, that attack is kind of clicking into gear slowly but surely. Yeah, it's it's one to one to watch with interest when when they go back in a couple of weeks. Um, let's let's look ahead to tomorrow. So, I I know this is not the biggest game in the calendar, but I always love it when Fiji come to town because they do bring something a bit different, and and you're almost guaranteed to see, you know attacking rugby and and something something just a little different and um, we won't go through the whole 
Ireland team because it's it's been out um, for a couple of days now at this stage. But just, I suppose, the interesting things that jump out, Jeremy Lachlan is making his debut. Uh, you've got Keane Prendergast and, and Jack Crowley could be in for a big weekend as well. They could both make their debuts off the bench. And um, also, I think Jimmy O'Brien, a fullback, is 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 an interesting one. But it's it's an interesting team right across the board because you've got lots of very experienced Ireland players in there, guys with lots of caps like Robbie Henshaw's there, Joey Carby, Jemson Gibson Park, Tyg Byrne, Caelan Doris, Tyg Furlong. But then you've also got guys who are just a little bit on the on the fringes of the first team who are pushing through and hoping to get a big opportunity here. Robert Balakoon starts again. Um, Stuart McCloskey, great to see that he's fit to go again. Nick Timoney's in the back row. Murray, when you look at this team, what, what jumps out to you? It's probably stronger than I anticipated it being, to be honest. Um, and I loved Andy Farrell's words yesterday, saying like we're not just going to throw out caps to players that we don't feel de- deserve them. And, and they've been they've they've been almost um, kind of clinical in the wake of that RNA game. You know, Gavin Coombs was there last night playing for Munster, jettisoned straight out of the squad, and obviously it was amazing for him to be part of that. But I mean, it was kind of a harsh reality for for him, a guy who's had loads of strong performances for Munster, and indeed I thought even for New Zealand in the midweek games in, in New Zealand over the summer. Um, and other guys who probably were thinking, I, I'm in with a really good chance playing against Fiji, just aren't going to feature. So there's a sense also of, of continuing the momentum that they've they've built up. And indeed, like the World Cup isn't far away, the Six Nations isn't far away. Farrell wants to maintain that, absolutely. And he's got a bit of balance, as you say, in the squad. I'm really excited to see Jimmy O'Brien go again in a different position, shows his versatility. He's just a lovely fo- footballer. Jeremy Lockman, who spoke brilliantly the the other day at the the media conference, and and sometimes you go into those interviews not knowing what to expect, but he he was really open and honest. Really interesting backstory: born in in America, and his fa- whole family actually live over there now. Again, they've kind of moved back just before the pandemic, so he's here in Ireland on his own essentially. But he could have played for USA. He got a number of calls from them over the last few years when he was kind of around the fringes of the Munster squad really and he said no I, I think I can play for Ireland I'm going to stick at at that course and now he gets his, his reward and he's a guy who's really improved his his game a lot he's been really physical this season he fits in with the the ball playing mentality of the the Irish pack and yeah like Lou said as we've mentioned loads has been a, a bit of a conundrum for them and, and sorting that depth chart so it's a, a massive day for him Kieran Treadwell is another one who you know, hasn't always been starting for Ulster, but fits the Ireland mould really well. And, and such an interesting aspect of it is how differently the provincial coaches and the Ireland coaches see it sometimes. He's a guy who has the athleticism and, and dynamism to to be really good in, in test rugby. So I'm glad to see Stuart McCluskey as well as fit. It didn't look like that was going to be the case last weekend. I, I know you were chatting to him about it. He's probably as surprised as anyone, but what we saw in those in that half an hour was was really compelling and it's fantastic that he gets such a, a an opportunity so swiftly after that seeming seeming disappointment. I'm excited to see Robert Balakoon as well. Hopefully get a very different kind of game this weekend. He had a lot of he was kind of almost a peripheral figure at times in the South Africa game and didn't get a chance to show his attacking prowess at all. So that'll be really exciting to to see. And you mentioned the two new caps off the off the bench. Keen Prendergast has been you know, he's had momentum for quite a while now and he's combative and he's been on the Emerging Ireland Tour and he's impressed for Connacht and he's earned his, his shot. But 
I suppose with Crowley it's been way more of a kind of sudden rise Ben Healy was very good last night he must be thinking wow this guy's leapfrogged me with Ireland before he has done so with, with Munster and as I said that's how it now kind of works with, with Ireland they see a lot in Crowley and I think he was excellent on the Emerging Ireland Tour showed some energy off the bench in that Ireland game which was maybe in contrast to, to others although he wasn't perfect they really liked the, the look of him so that's very exciting to see two fresh faces in there Yeah it, it can be a bit of a tricky one when you make so many changes and there are some new combinations there where I suppose realistically you just can't expect everything to come together seamlessly but I suppose with the way this Irish team is coached and the way Andy Farrell has brought players through and, and used things like those Maori games over the summer and, and the Emerging Ireland Tour you almost do expect players to come in and just be able to do their job and know their role within the system even looking at Jimmy O'Brien last week and how he was able to come in for his debut at 13 and perform I suppose that's I suppose that's a roundabout way of asking you what type of performance are you expecting to see tomorrow? I would be shocked if it's not a little bit um, messy at the, the start for the opening 20 or, or whatever. And as you say, Fiji have loads of qualities that, that aren't clearly being us, clearly aren't being underestimated. I mean, they gave Scotland a bit of a fright last weekend. They've got some physical prowess as well as their attacking qualities. And I think Vern Cotter and a pretty good coaching team there around him with the Daryl Gibson, Glenn Jackson, um, I think Richie Gray is involved as well. Experienced coaches with plenty of nous. Um, so Ireland have to acknowledge that. But the good thing about, as you as you allude to, the good thing about their system is that players can slot in and it kind of works regardless of, of the opposition. Like they're very self-focused, this Ireland team. Like take their attack shape, for example. Even with South Africa's different defence to other teams, Ireland were able to make it work very nearly in some cases. They didn't quite get that final pass. And I know they're frustrated with their, their skill set under unbelievable pressure, we, we should mention. But it is a very adaptable system. And that probably helps players as well because you've got a lot of decision-making autonomy on the pitch, whether you're running a, a decoy line or you're out the back of the shape or you're pulling that pullback pass and, and you can carry as well. The, the players seem to have grasped that and and we're seeing the kind of... Like even the even with the, the Coombs thing, Deegan now comes being on the bench and he almost... You look at him and you think he actually fits maybe better exactly what they're trying to do here because he is, you know, he's got lovely handling skills. I'm not saying Coombs doesn't have that, but he's dynamic and he covers the ground well. He can play out in the wide channels. Um, so I think it's just fat, fascinating to see Farrell... I suppose double down on exactly how he sees the game being played and players are, are loving those opportunities. Yeah, we might just finish up with a quick word for Captain Tyke Furlong. Um, we, we were both at his captain's briefing during the week and I think, I think everybody there really enjoyed it. There was just something very refreshing about it and just great to see how much his personality shone through and obviously he kind of cracked a few jokes and there was talks of spuds and gravy but besides that you could see what being Ireland captain actually means to him and he spoke very well about what it'll mean for people back home in Wexford and in and in the club and in clubs like Wexford all around the country. Um, this has been a very popular decision by Andy Farrell. Yeah, I think an inspired choice. And I know Furlong said, you know, it was a process of elimination as he as he would, but I think a brilliant choice. A guy who's like he's very relatable and the wave of affection towards him being captain is is actually important because He's not a private school boy. He's not the stereotypical rugby player. He's not a posh lad that people seem to associate rugby with all the time, even though that is changing, as he pointed out, and has changed, as he pointed out himself. 
like he's a funny guy. He's we probably all have friends kind of like Tiger Furlong who who have wise cracks and are great company, but he also takes his craft very seriously and is one of the very best in the world. The fact that he loves Spud so much makes him even more relatable to every Irish person around the world as well. But I just think he he kind of gets people and and he gets people by just being himself. There's no airs and graces. There's no pretense. There's no I need to put up an image here to to maximize my earnings. He doesn't bother with social media. He doesn't bother trying to impress people with with saying the right thing or towing the party line as as he as he put it. So I think it's a great choice. And I loved his honesty as well. Like saying that he's going to be baffled by whether he goes to the corner or takes the points or or that kind of stuff. Because that is very new to him and it has been very new in the leadership group. He's had to think about the game in such a different way. He's gone from like, I'm just going to nail my role here, scrum, rook, carry and, and some of the passing stuff to thinking his way around the pitch what's the best decision here what zone of the pitch are we in what play do we need to use how are Fiji shaping tactically themselves and and all that will will be fed into him I suppose by the, the game leaders like Carberry and Gibson Park there, there won't be that onus fully on him but it's exciting that a guy who's 29 and has already done so much in the game is, is adding new strings to his bow it'll help with Sexton and whoever's captain in the future that he's been in those positions as well and just a thoroughly popular choice, as you say. So um, I hope it goes well for him. Yeah, it's going to be a special day for him, and I suppose it'll be it'll be interesting for us listening in the ref mic as well to see to see how he <laughs> how he gets along. Um, look, we'll we'll leave it there. So for today, we've we've both got places to be. Match day minus one is always a busy one. Um, Murray, thanks as always. Cheers, Kieran. Murray and myself will be back tomorrow with a post match pod for members straight after the Ireland Fiji game, and with the one o'clock kickoff, that'll be in your feeds nice and early. Um, then of course Murray we will be back with the lads on Rugby Weekly Extra on Monday to dig into all the weekend's action in a bit more detail it's members.the42.ie if you want to sign up for those and with so much rugby on at the moment it's a good time to do just that but yeah that is us for today enjoy your weekend and we'll catch you soon The 42's Rugby Weekly Extra podcast It's an absolute mess for them now Everything in the world of rugby covered in one place At the moment there's not one part of the game that's that's functional This tour just puts them up there as a world class player Expert analysis from Bernard Jackman, Owen Toulon and Murray Kinsella Maybe this is the end of this cycle of this group who, who have been underperforming for a long time Reaction from the weekend's games I don't see how any captain wouldn't be really pissed off in that circumstance big name interviews check was mad he got something out of that team that i don't think any other coach could plus exclusive access to murray's weekend newsletter get all of this and more by becoming a member sign up today at members.the42.ie